Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Hey, welcome back to today's show. I am excited to introduce to you Julia Parks. She has a phenomenal story about her background, and there's a lot of things that she has overcome. Julia, welcome to the show. Well, hello, Steve. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this program with you and your audience. I am 51 years old, the mother of five adult children who are successfully making it through life. I am both a widow and a divorcee. I am a graduate student with a a master's degree in human relations with a focus on clinical mental health. I've overcome quite a few challenges in life, which I'm more than happy to share with you all. But primarily right now, I am working on a couple of different podcasts. I am the international bestselling co-author of one book and working on a second. And my goodness, let me think about this. There is, and then of course, I'm the co-host. I'm sorry, let me try that again. I am actually the owner of Heart Centered Therapeutic Coaching and head coach with that organization. And so just being able to realize and recognize that life is full of adversity and challenge and change. And when we come at it from a perspective, the heart and the soul that we can actually progress through life with a, just a, a pureness, a wholeness. And, um, and that's really just kind of my purpose is to help people find that within themselves. You went through some tragic events yes, that kind of molded you into this position. You know, it's just phenomenal in knowing your backstory mm-hmm. and how much you have not given up hope but you have really, really progressed in who you are as a person that you did not let the past bring you down. So how are you maintaining hope through all this? Well, I think that uh, just to kind of give a little bit of background, I, I think one understanding that I came from tremendous childhood sexual abuse, that um, I have some significant attachment issues that derive from those experiences of childhood. I, my first marriage was one that was, I was groomed into, and I spent four years trying to survive. Every day was a life and death potential. It went either way with domestic violence. Once I escaped that, then um, I was so blessed to find my children's father and our marriage was filled with amazing children, but tremendous amount of medical issues where we wondered with each surgery, was it one going to survive or not? And still through all of that, I was able to maintain the idea that um, that there is such vibrancy and joy and growth that comes from our adversities that they become our, our, if you will, kind of our, uh, trampoline, if you will, we're going to jump from one over to the other and, and allows us to be able to transition into triumph. 
And for me, that's where my hope was, as I understand that no matter what I'm experiencing, be it a day or it be weeks. Okay. Because my day is not all, my days are not always perfect. And, mm. and I would like to stress that uh, some days they are challenges. I will cry through some, I, I might be angry through some, I'm one that allows the emotions to come up because I understand they have a place and a purpose and, um, oftentimes allow them to be my teacher. Okay. Um, so whatever is coming up, I know that that's going to let, that'll be a small window in comparison to life. And, and so knowing that things will get brighter, that they will be more that I can progress through gives me hope. And even after becoming a widow and then recent, I think it's like four years ago, three and a half, four years ago, I had a stroke that had nothing to do with anything other than a medication that had built up in my brain and caused this reaction. And so I had to relearn many, many of the skills that I get to enjoy today with reading and writing, being able to drive, walking and actually walking through a doorway instead of a wall, being able to be in a space where it's loud and crowded without cringing and even learning how to speak without a stutter. And so these things we often take for granted. I know I did prior to losing them and just realizing that over the process of the last three and a half to four years, still that is those challenges have graced me with so much empathy and understanding of life's um, adversities and challenges that all I want to do is help others understand that we can work through them. We can actually with hope and joy and gratitude, all those things actually perpetuate us into becoming the person that we are today, which is beautiful. You made a comment that our trauma is teacher. Yes. And I don't know about you, but growing up in school, nobody liked teachers because <laughs> we thought they were mean. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and so here you are, you're talking about trauma as a teacher. Expound on that a little bit more. How or what did trauma do to help you to realize that it was more of trying to teach you something good and not something that was negative? Well, I think that automatically, Steve, we go into a resistance mode when trauma or adverse situ situations occur. So we want to kind of shut down, run, hide, fight, flee, you know, whatever it may be be. But, but when we take an approach that what is showing up in our life is actually trying to teach us valuable lessons and skill sets, not just a lesson, but a skill set. Okay. Then we are, it, it changes the perception or perspective that we have of the trauma. And, and I actually, learned that the concept of trauma is our teacher from an amazing uh, professor at OU uh, that took the time. He was very, he uh, did a lot of spiritual practices. And one day as we were sitting down, getting ready to do a meditation, he just looked at me and he goes, Julia, how about this idea? Why don't you invite your trauma as though it is a persona into your mental tea room. Okay. And you're going to allow them to come through the door and you are going to invite them to sit at your table and you're going to invite them to drink or partake of the tea that you're offering as though they were your best friend. Notice not an enemy, not something I'm wanting to avoid. They are the very thing that I'm inviting in. Okay. To befriend. 
And once I got that concept, oh my gosh, it, it was one of the most gentle experiences I had ever experienced hands down because I realized that the value of this friendship with trauma allowed my nervous system to just, uh, in an audible sense, because I know this is being recorded, I just, I could feel it just go, just like it was just this gentle rain or water flowing over me. We're, I don't believe our systems are meant to resist. I think that we are meant to flow with. And when we do that, it, it just, we get taught. We, um, yeah, it's, how's that? I, you know, I'm sitting there going, I'm talking a lot here, but go ahead. No, I, I, I totally agree because when you think about, we avoid trauma. You know, it's just like men growing up and always been taught there's one emotion and that's anger. Yes. And women are afraid to express who they are because of trauma in their life mm -hmm. and the fear of rejection. Yes. And we have to learn how do we begin to this journey and starting off, I'm sure this journey wasn't uh, very pleasing for you. Oh, no. It, in fact, it was, it has been one of the longest standing and hardest journeys I have ever been on. And, and, and it's, it, I, I assume that it's probably going to be a lifelong journey. I didn't get here in a day, you know, the traumas didn't happen just once they've happened through a lifetime. And, and so for me, it is about unraveling bring it up to the surface, what's there and giving it a space almost. I, and this will say, sound strange to someone that hasn't been as far along on their healing journey as I might be, or you might be, there is almost a sense of honoring the trauma. That doesn't mean that we're dismissing the abusers to go on along their merry way. It's, uh, but what it does do is allow our, within ourselves, a space that says, I respect you. I appreciate you. I honor you. And, and I love you. So many of us individuals that have been through significant trauma situations, oftentimes disrespect who we are our own bodies, our, our personalities, how we view life. And we find ourselves unworthy to be in those spaces. And I'm saying, let's take that back. Let's take that back. And let's just honor what we've been through because it's significant, but so is the fact that we're still breathing, living today. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said about that because that meant you overcame something. Oh, I totally agree. And, and the problem is, is that when you overcome and you recognize the path that you've been, it's refreshing to know that you overcome. Yes. One of the things that we don't realize that we have to go through a growth. And sometimes growth does have pain. That's how you grow. Yes. And my illustration of a butterfly in a cocoon struggling it has a 50-50 chance of living, but I give you a pair of scissors, what are you going to do? The natural tendency is to cut it open to help it out because we don't like pain. But Mother Nature has taught us that the, the butterfly is going to die mm -hmm. because it has to have the endorphins and the strength 
to get out of the cocoon in order to fly. And we have to realize where our struggles are. What do you think about if people would accept other people for who they are and where they are, that helps their journey of healing a lot better than shunning someone that has a lot of pain and hurt and you don't want to deal with it because it's pain. I think that honestly, Steve, when I, when I think about situations in my life and I'm guilty, every one of us are guilty of this, of where we have probably uh, pushed away or shunned someone because their pain was so great. And, and we stood in a place of a judgment, but I'm going to, I've taken on a new perspective of that. Um, and there's a couple of different perspectives. I'm curious what yours is at this point, because we are learning about each other through this process is one, it is okay to say, I can't carry something for someone else right now. Your pain is so much that for where I'm at right now, I can't, I can't do this, but I let's find you somebody that can. Okay. So that's the first perspective is that I don't want someone feeling guilty if they can't hold a space for someone else, because we are where we are until we aren't. It's just that simple. Okay. Um, the second thing is, is if you, if you can't hold a space for somebody asking the reasons behind the inability. And then I'm a proponent of asking, why is it your responsibility to as well? Because some of us, because of the traumas that we've been through in life, have been taught that it is our responsibility to carry someone else's load or to um, hold a space for their pain. And it may not be. It, it may not be the healthiest choice for that other individual right now. So we have therapists and coaches and psychiatrists and doctors because they, they've been trained to be able to carry those things or pastures or even. I'm kind of on the fence, 50-50 on it. Um, now, if I'm rejecting somebody because I'm standing in a place of judgment, you know, Hey, your issues are yours to carry. I'm not taking that, get over your stuff. And I have been that person. Okay. (laughs) Even in my coaching business, sometimes I'm like, Hey, it's time to bounce out of this. We got to go. Okay. Um, are you doing it out of love or are you doing it out of animosity? That is the question I have. Um, if you're, if you can't carry it and it's in a place of love, then you can, you can walk away and be okay with it. If you're doing it because you're just downright mean. Okay. That is a different issue and not on my, my, that's not on my suggest list today. So, No, I mean, you, you bring up some valid points and I mean, I learn stuff about myself every day and it's how we react to that situation. But I've also learned in this process, a journey of, of becoming a therapist, and developing a sense of who I am, I've learned how to deal with my own pain. Mm-hmm. But I don't want somebody else trying to take on my pain or feel sympathy or empathy for me because I'm, I'm over it. I'm good. In order to be a good therapist, you have to know who you are. Yes. And you have to be in a good position to understanding the hurt and pain and how it helps or hinders a person's growth. Being uh, divorced, similar to you, we think about, okay, we're going to go try dating, for example. 
And some people, after hearing our stories, they don't know how to react. It's too mm. much. We don't want to deal with it. But that tells me there's no emotional healthy boundaries. Just because you went through something doesn't mean that you're going to, to act or be what we throw out there on somebody else. Because we, you and I have healed. We're still healing. We're still, it's a process. It's how we're reacting and how we help other people to grow in this process. Agreed. And if we just learn how to accept trauma, we can interact with people a lot better and a lot healthier. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think that, that you brought up the point of boundaries. And, and I think that when we're, when we're confronted in situations where individuals are, are rejecting, and I, and I want to be careful that I don't do the transference thing, sure. you know, kind of thing. I, I think it's off. It is easy for us to stand back and say, Oh, we've been judged by another individual because of dot, 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 dot traumas. Okay. However, again, learning what we've learned and and having the educational backgrounds that we do and experiences that we do, we understand that sometimes we're rejected, not because of anything that has anything to do with who we are and everything to do with where that person is at. And it it's a, and, and so honestly, they've done us a favor when an individual gets rejected, let's say in the dating world, if someone's rejecting you because of something about you that you've worked hard to change and they're like, oh my gosh, I just can't deal with that. Then, then that is where they are. It has no reflection of where you are or what you've done. I had a, and a perfect example of this, um, and I don't mind sharing it. It's just a, it is a little bit embarrassing, um, but I wear, I was where I was. Um, I was on a dating site and I had a person show up on, um, for a date that did not tell me that they were missing their teeth. Okay. Yeah. I'm a vulnerability type of person. So I will share stuff that probably no one else wants to. And, um, this person through 45 minutes of this date had led to no indication whatsoever. They were missing their teeth. Now, had they in the, in the beginning said, Hey, this is what's going on. I had this disorder. We're working on, you know, I don't know what dentures or whatever it may be. Um, I still might not have been interested in them because I was looking for something different, but it doesn't necessarily mean I wouldn't have gone on the date. When I discovered that they had not shared this with me, which was towards the end, I honestly, I felt lied to, I felt deceived. Okay. Now, and, and so no second date. What's interesting is that uh, in the future, moving forward, once I received a service dog after the stroke, I often would uh, transfer that experience over onto future dates. I really had a a self-confidence, a self-esteem issue around having a service animal. I felt like I was going to be judged if I did not reveal in the beginning that I had a working companion with me. Now, did that have anything at all to do with that first date's experience? No, that guy didn't even know I exist anymore. Do the guys that I have gone out with, you know, moving in the future, did it have anything to do with them? Absolutely not. They they probably didn't even care. 
it was what I was carrying here inside. I had somehow my brain had gone, oh, we're going to marry these two experiences together and create this big, huge dialogue around this experience. And oh, by the way, we're going to call this trauma. And boom, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> Growth experience 101. Trauma literally walked in and said, guess what, Julia, it's time for class. Sit down. I have something to teach you. Right. And, and it was the moment that I that I recognized that all these different dialogues were going on and that these experiences had been connected that had nothing to do with each other, that I grew. If, if it hadn't been for those experiences, I wouldn't have the knowledge that I do about it right now. And so boom, another real life experience from the life of Julia and Julia book 101, if y'all are wondering. No, great stuff. And what I'm trying to help listeners to understand that whether it's coaching or therapy, it's not taboo. There you go. It's getting to understanding who you are and not allowing the past to define who you are. It's working through accepting who you are, learning to love yourself. And in one of the podcasts I talk about, Are You Lovable? And I talk with Dave Wend, who is a minister at Jinx Church, where I attend. I shared with him that the church does pretty good about teaching about how to love God, how to love others, but we really stink about how to love ourselves. Yes, we do. And, you know, we, we have to learn. We have to love ourselves. And if that other person can't accept where we're at or who we are, then that's on them. It's called building healthy boundaries and not taking the rejection as hurt because this is where we've been in the past. Well, and Steve, I honestly, I would take it a step further and say that until we've learned to love ourselves, the expectation that, that someone else should love to fill, fulfill that role for us and love us really isn't on the other person. It is our responsibility um, to rise up within ourselves and own who we are. We are divine creations. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and yet we flutter around and putter around in the muck all the time. And yet we expect someone to come down, reach in and remove us from that. If they, it's kind of like that, a butterfly analogy, if that, if we go in and we just pull somebody out of their muck, okay, we are actually robbing them, okay, of the opportunity to mature and grow in the space that they're in so that they transition over here from muck to mastery, okay, and um, that doesn't mean that we can't love them. But we've got to understand that they are learning the lesson right there, how to truly love themselves. And, and that's just, that's a whole nother story right there. I and can we, go into that one for a little bit. And, well, we have a lot of time, good topics. <laughs> I appreciate you because we're going to continue this um, co-hosting, going back and forth, because it's helpful to teach people that you're okay. It's yes. about being a better you. So we're running out of time until next week. Let's talk a little bit about what got you into writing, what got you into becoming a life coach. I think it's a phenomenal story. Julie, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you, Steve. And you guys have a blessed one. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. 
Until then, be safe and be kind.